Bibles, open them up to Isaiah chapter 30, verse 21. Oh, hallelujah. My goodness. The praise and worship just gets better and better. I love how the Holy Ghost is speaking to us through the prophetic words. Amen. Are you listening? Isaiah 30, 21. And it says, Your ears shall hear a word behind you, saying, This is the way, walk in it. Whenever you turn to the right hand, or whenever you turn to the left. Today I want to continue. I I know a couple sermons ago I talked about it, but I feel like I need to continue to talk about hearing the voice of God. Hearing the voice of God. And I want to talk about and just touch on some heart issues that would hinder us from hearing His voice, from sensing His promptings. So this message is entitled, are you ready? Can you hear me? The Holy Spirit is saying, can you hear me? Amen? It is extremely important that we as Christians hear from and be led by the Holy Spirit. I've said it many times from this pulpit. It could mean life or death situations in our life. Do you all remember back in 2007, the collapse of that bridge in Minneapolis on I-35? There was a testimony that came out about a Christian man who was driving his car. He was driving on I-35 West, and he was about two or three miles before the bridge, and he kept feeling in his spirit that he needed, needed to stop. And, and he kept hearing this, this voice, stop, stop, turn around. He ignored it. He thought it was just him. After all, he had places to go, right? He was in a hurry. And he kept going. And he was literally feet from that bridge. And he heard, stop! He obeyed. The bridge collapsed that very second. Here, oh, I feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost right now. It could mean life or death situation. Life or death in many situations. That kind of leading now is available to every Christian on the face of this earth today. Amen? It's time for us. We need to truly draw closer. We need to hear from the Holy Spirit like never before. We need oil in our lamps because I don't know if you know it or not, but it's getting dark out there. Are you following me? Our Heavenly Father is always looking out for us. I find it interesting here. It says that you will hear a word, Isaiah 30, 21. The Holy Spirit quickened this to me. It says, you will hear a word behind thee. Say behind. Behind. I believe that's talking about angelic assistance. Because the Holy Spirit lives in you. But you'll hear a voice from behind. And I talked about angelic assistance uh, in a couple sermons in the past here. And uh, angels are more active in our lives than you would even believe. Are you following me? My goodness, I just seen angelic movement right over that section right there as I said that. Lord, minister to the people in Jesus' name. But listen to this. Fear will hinder you from hearing God's voice and being sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Listen to this. Fear is nothing more than, than faith in Satan's will for your life. If something creates fear, it's not from God. Are you following me? 
You are reverencing the devil more than God in your life. You're on the wrong frequency. You tune your radio station, right? You turn it into your favorite stage, Christ, Christian station, right, everyone? <laughs> you tune it in and you can hear it very clearly, right? But if you change that station, you're not hearing it anymore. We need to be on the proper frequency to hear from the Holy Spirit. And if you are filled with fear, you're on the wrong frequency. Fear will put a wall up in your life that will make it very hard for you to hear from God. Why? Because it shifts your focus away from the Lord. And come on, and that's called disorder. Say disorder. Fear will allow confusion to come into your thought life. The Bible says that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Amen? If fear has overtaken your life, you have been focusing and feeding on the wrong things in your life. And reading the Word of God, reading and feeding on, say reading and feeding, because you need to do both. Reading and feeding on the Word of God tunes you in to that frequency of His voice and the heart of God. The Bible is a revelation of the heart of God. So when you read it, when you get it in you, it tunes your spirit man into his frequency. Are you following me? You will start to hear him clearer. You'll start to sense his promptings more clearly. Because when you don't feed on the word, then you're filled with with just flesh. You're filled with, come on, your own will. But you start reading the word. You start to, I like to say it this way, you catch the heart of God. I have a, a couple books. We have, she has a book. You know, you, you read those books, you start to catch my heart about that topic. And that's what happens when you start reading and feeding on the Word of God. You catch God's heart and your voice, you're tuned in. I like to say that it tuned into His frequency. Say frequency. The Word of God says in 1 John four eighteen, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Right? Because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. I find it interesting the Word of God says that faith works by love. So, but listen to this. So we always look at that passage in a way where our personal love walk toward others. Which there is, there is that. We need to walk in love toward others, right? But that's only half of it. We need to walk in love toward others, yes, but we need to walk in love toward God. I I believe it means that the more we learn about our Heavenly Father, the more in love we fall with Him because we start to learn how much He loves us and we can start to trust Him more. Are you following me? When we start to trust Him more, our love increases, which increases our what? Our faith. It's all tied in together. Faith works by love. Toward our fellow man, it has to. If you're walking in unforgiveness towards someone, come on somebody, that's going to open the door to the tormentors like we talked about. Right? But we are simply increasing. When you're reading the Word, we are simply increasing the knowledge about Him from His Word. And that also means when you increase the knowledge of Him, you are increasing the knowledge of of how much He can be trusted. He is not man that He should lie. Amen? 
And that also means when you learn more about him, it means you're going to hate evil as well. What's the, the fear of the Lord is to what? Hate evil. Amen. So that is the fear of the Lord. You cannot walk in the love of God without having the fear of the Lord. They go hand in hand. Amen. So it's a requirement that you and I believe that God loves us and has the best interest in store for us. He has our well-being in store. Amen. All these prophetic words that are coming. This, this is what I'm hearing. Amen. Sometimes when, when you, all these prophetic words start coming, you can just see this grand scheme of what God's trying to say. Amen. So if we truly take hold of that truth and stay close to him, And walk in love toward God. Fear would not have a place to enter our thought life as a Christian. We would be quicker. When you get the Word of God in you, you are quicker to cast down imaginations and not feed into them, not feed into the lies of the enemy. Amen. Not give in to negative emotions. Amen. Oh, emotions. Oh, emotions, right? We're not to be led by emotions. We're to be led by the Word of God and by the Holy Ghost. Amen? But the more you learn about our Heavenly Father, the, you, you cannot read the Word and not walk away with saying, my goodness, God is good. God is good. And that increased your trust in Him. That's what we need. We need to increase that. And the Holy Ghost is saying, are you hearing me? Can you hear me? Amen? Hallelujah. Always remember this, when fear is present in your life, that means your mind is consumed with the devil's will for your life. If you're, you're walking in fear, that's the devil's will. All right? We don't want the devil's will. I don't know if you know that or not. Let, let's do some theology 101. The devil's bad and God is good. I know that point don't get across at a lot of churches, but that's the fact, right? The devil's bad, God is good. All right? Go to Isaiah 48. Isaiah 48, 17 and 18. Man, I feel fire up here. Woo! My goodness. Isaiah 48, 17 through 18. And it says, Thus says the Lord your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord your God who teaches you to profit, not to lack, to profit. And that goes well beyond finances. Hello, somebody. In every area of your life. Who leads you by the way you should go. Oh, that you had heeded my commandments. Then your peace would have been like a river. Oh, I like that. And your righteousness like the waves of the sea. So verse 17 says that God will teach His people, that's us, how to profit, how to be successful in life, how to walk in the blessing. Amen? Now, the Hebrew word there that's translated teach means this. To instruct, to train, to prod, or to goad. Anybody need a little prodding and goading in this place today? Amen. See, God teaches us and leads us through His Holy Spirit that He is sent to live on the inside of you. You're going to feel that prodding, that goading on the inside of you. All right? That's called what we call the inward witness. Say inward witness. 
The first place you're going to feel it is on the inside. Something doesn't feel right. Amen? The Holy Spirit will literally prompt you to go in a certain direction. Uh, He'll make it clear on the inside if you should go ahead with a plan or not. I know I sound like a broken record. I say this all the time. But i got to keep on telling you, if there's no peace, don't go there. Stop. The Holy Spirit is trying to protect you from something. I don't care how good it looks to your eyes. Amen. If you you have peace on the inside, that's a green light. That's the green light, okay? No peace, that's a red light, all right? Don't be like these people by the strand when the light's red, they keep on going through. (laughs) It's horrible. Watch out, I'm telling you right now. There will be times when the Holy Spirit will stir your heart to to pick up the phone and give a person a call. And that thought won't leave you, but the Holy Spirit's trying to guide you. I can't tell you how many times that that has happened. And and you call the person and and they're saying, I'm having suicidal thoughts. Man, I'm just really down. I I just, I'm so glad you called right now. Obey that thought. Obey that prompting. In fact, ask your Heavenly Father to use you to be an answer to someone's prayer. Think about that. Isn't that good when you're an answer to someone's prayer? You know what that's called? A divine appointment like we talked about last week. Amen? But verse 17 also says, who leads you, listen to this, who leads you by the way you should go. Say should. I want you to notice it says where you should go. In other words, God's saying this. Okay, this is the way I'm trying to prod you to go. That's the way you should go. But he says, you know what? I can't force you to do anything. It's up to you. See, that guy who was getting ready to cross the bridge, he could have ignored that voice. He could have ignored that prompting. And guess what? He would have been waking up in heaven seeing Jesus. And leaving family, family members all broken and in grief. Are you following me right now? But God was trying to, trying to protect him. Amen. And thank God he listened at the last minute, that guy. But God will never overtake your free will. I, I, I don't think Christians really let that sink in a lot of times. God will never overtake your free will. This is why this world is an absolute mess right now. It's messy out there because of humans' free will. And refusing to obey the Word of God, refusing to obey the Holy Spirit. Now, if God, again, if God could overtake a person's will, let me just say this, hell would be empty right now. Because it's God's will that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance, right? So if God could overtake a will, hell would be empty right now. But the fact is there's way too many people there. And even right now at this very second, someone's going to the pits of hell. Because of their free will, they willingly passed up the provision that's been available for over 2,000 years through the Lord Jesus Christ. Think about that. How tragic is that? Guys, I'm telling you right now. When his presence is filling this place, one thing, I don't know if anybody else feels it, but but you can sense like eternity. Do you know what I'm saying when I say that? You realize how short this life is. 
I, I sense eternity. That, man, this, this is just a blink of an eye. This is just a speck of sand on the beach compared to eternity. We need to stay focused on eternity. Amen? Go to, um, go to Psalm 23. Psalm 23. Let's remind ourselves of something here. Man, we have a, had a wonderful night last night, didn't we? The saturation point, the spiritual saturation point, amen? Saturate yourself in the Word of God, saturate saturate yourself in the presence of God. Look at this, Psalm 23, 1 through 4. I'm talking about, can you hear me? The Holy Spirit saying, can you hear me? Psalm 23, it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He, lie, he leads me beside still waters. I like that. Now, really, we, listen, we read through these things way too fast. Let's just, let's slow it down, people. Let's slow it down. The Lord is my shepherd. What does a shepherd do? He leads. He guides. He takes the time to, to tend to the needs of the sheep. Are you following me? That's Jesus. He's the real shepherd. The Lord, look at that. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want, I shall not have any lack because he's my shepherd. Now, maybe if there's lack in your life, maybe you're not letting him be your shepherd. Are you following me? Think about this now. Let's really break this thing down. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides the, beside the still waters. In other words, when he leads and guides, there's going to be peace on you. There's going to be a peace. He restores my soul. Oh, say restores. Again, we just, we just casually read through this. We're not, we don't even think about it. He restores. To restore something means it once had to be that certain thing before. You can only restore. You go to restore an airplane. You go to restore a car. What you're trying to do is you're trying to restore it to its original intent and quality. He restores my soul, my mind, my will, and emotions. He restores it. So in other words, when you get out of line, okay, your soul is starting to get unrenewed. Your soul is starting to get damaged, whatever's happened to you in life. But it says when you let him be your shepherd, he restores it. How many of you need restoration in your soul today? He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Paths of righteousness. He's always going to lead you in paths of righteousness. He's not going to lead you down a road that's going to take you down a bad pipe. Are you bad trail? Are you hearing me? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will, I will, I will, I will, I will fear no evil. I will. Your will's involved. I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Rod and staff. That's interesting, isn't it? That's that prodding. That's that goading. Amen. Now, 
Listen to this. To create an atmosphere where you're sensitive to the Holy Spirit, you must take time to clear all your thoughts and simply meditate on God and His Word. Go to Psalm 1. Psalm 1. Oh, I love the Word of God. Allow the Word of God to minister to you. Allow the Word of God to be enough. Just like I taught about last night, the centurion, right? He said, he said Jesus, the centurion said, Jesus, my servant's at the point of death. And Jesus said, I'll come and heal him. And the centurion said, no, 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 no. Just speak the Word and that's good enough. Just speak it. Jesus, you don't even have to go and lay hands on him. You don't even have to be in that room. Just speak the Word and that's enough. Here's what you've got to ask yourself. Is the Word of God enough for you? Think about that. Is it enough for you? Listen to this. Blessed is the man or person who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Who you been getting counsel from? Who you listening to? You're in, a, you're in a mess. You're getting counsel from the wrong person or the wrong spirit. You following me? Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight, who? The person that's blessed. But his delight is in the law of the Lord or the word of God. And in his law or word, he meditates. He meditates day and night. Wow. And what's the result of that? He shall be like a tree planted by rivers of water. So you'll never get dry. There'll never be any lack. Planted by the rivers of living water that brings forth its fruit in its season. Now that trips a lot of Christians up because they want it now. I want it now. So what do they do? They pick their roots up and they move away from those waters. No, but every tree has a season, doesn't it? Think about it, right? Every tree will bring forth its fruit in its season. But here, Christians, listen. This is where patience comes in. You do what you know you need to do and stick with it. Don't let go. Keep those roots planted in the rivers of living water. Amen? That brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he does shall prosper. Wouldn't you love in life that whatever you put your hand to, it's prospering. It's successful. Man, you're not falling on your face. In fact, your enemies are like, what is going on with this person? Everything they put their hand to is blessed. Everything they're doing is successful. Why? Because they're led by the Holy Spirit. The Hebrew word that's translated meditate means to reflect, to ponder, to mutter, or to uh, contemplate something as one repeats words. So true meditation is not just a thinking. It means you're thinking to the point you're allowing it to come out of your mouth. Why? Because words are powerful. Are you following me? Meditating on God's Word day and night will plant us or root us in Him. All right? Again, here's what you got to understand. Your thought life is spiritual communication. 
What you're thinking on either roots you in the kingdom of darkness or roots you in the kingdom of God. Do you know that? Your thoughts are spiritual communication. Don't think, don't think that uh, it's not important. It's absolutely important. Remember, your thought life connects you to one of those two kingdoms. And then when you speak it, you're releasing something to manifest in the natural realm. And it goes both ways in the kingdom of darkness and in the kingdom of God. The, the people in witchcraft, that's how they're casting spells. Are you following me? They're rooting themselves in darkness. Their thought life in darkness and they speak curses. But that's, don't do that. No, no. We need to root ourselves in the word of God and speak the word of God. And it's, oh, you're going to see blessings come to pass in your life like never before. So, so meditating on the word positions us positions us to walk in the power of God, to walk in the blessing of God. It keeps us rooted by that rivers of living water. Amen? So how planted are we in the faith? How planted are we in the will of God? Amen? We, when we don't meditate or fill ourselves with the Word of God, we're allowing, we allow our actions to be dictated by our flesh. And guess who wins when you're, you're led by the flesh? The enemy. Yeah, some people separate the enemy from the flesh. But let me just, let me break the news to you. When you're in the flesh, you're letting the enemy win. Because demons operate, by the way, through the fleshly nature. Demons operate through the fleshly nature. All right? So, don't think there's three options. God's way, the enemy's way, and the flesh's way. No, there's two ways. All right. So this is why you see people forsaking Jesus Christ when other Christians treat them badly. You see, what happened was those people are not planted or rooted or grounded in the faith. Amen. See, God never did anything to let you down. People ha, all day long. Are you following me? I mean, people all day long, they'll let you down. But as Jane spoke that word from the Holy Spirit, we got to stay focused on the spiritual aspect of it. Amen? Amen? Hallelujah. When you're not spiritually planted or rooted, it's easy to walk away from Christ because you're opening yourself up to deception. Say deception. That many people have walked away from Christ. And I said this before, this example. I want to say it again because it's so powerful. A traveling minister friend of mine, he, uh, he told me about a situation where God asked him one day. So this, this traveling minister, he's traveling all around the world preaching the gospel. I mean, he's, he's pretty, you know, he's, he's building a ministry and he's, it's pretty powerful. And he said one day God asked him, you know, he was on top of the world. He's just having a blast, right? Jet setting all over. And, he, and God said this, spoke this to his heart. Why have you walked away from me? The Holy Spirit said, why have you walked away from me? The guy says, he says, God, I travel all around the world preaching the good news, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. I haven't walked away from you. Again, God asked him, why have you walked away from me? Now, uh, you know, I'm not, you know, a genius, but when God asks you a question, you probably walked away from him. You're right. By this time, the Holy Spirit was revealing bitterness and unforgiveness that was in his heart, this minister. 
And the Lord spoke to his heart and said, You have walked away from me when you think that you can carry my anointing and be blessed when you're holding on to sin in your life. This is a traveling minister, people. Full-time ministry. A wall went up in the guy's heart, in this guy's heart, and he started to justify himself. You know what he said? He started getting angry and he said, but God, I've casted out devils in your name. And he stopped. Immediately, he remembered the passage where Jesus turned people away and said, depart from me, I never knew you. Think about that. <laughs> Nobody is a shoe-in. Are you following me? Not even a full-time pastor, not a full-time minister. See, you've got to make sure your personal life is lined up with the Word of God. Ministries, you know, I mean, you hate to say it's separate, they go together, but it's kind of, you know, when the anointing's on you in your ministry, man, things flow easy, it's great, you're having a good time, but what's going on behind the closed doors? What, what's going on when you leave this church? Are you following me? You've got to get your personal life in place. Amen? The Bible tells us, well, I've just felt the anointing like, whoo-hoo, come on, Bonnie. The Bible tells us to examine our heart, listen, whether we are in the faith or not. Or if we have stepped out of it, have we walked away from God and not even known it? Not even realized it. Our human nature has a way of always trying to justify our actions, even if they're dead wrong, right? Even from the fall. God, it was this woman you gave me. It was, right? Right from the Garden of Eden. Hebrews 3 7. Go there with me. Hebrews 3 7. We need to take responsibility for our life. Amen? Take responsibility. Have you walked away from him and you haven't even realized it? And, and as you start to believe those lies, all of a sudden you, your conscience gets hardened. I mean, look at this minister. He was arguing with Almighty God. He was arguing. That's why it's so important. We need to examine ourselves. Look at Hebrews 3, 7 through 15. It says, Therefore, the Holy Spirit says, Today, say today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the day of rebellion, in the day of the trial in the wilderness. Ooh, those wilderness journeys are tough, aren't they? Where your fathers tested me, tried me, and saw my works 40 years. Therefore, I was angry with that generation and said, they always go astray. Where? In their hearts. And they have not known my ways. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. It's good when you're in right standing with God because there's always rest. There's peace. Anybody need peace in here today? Verse 12, beware, brethren, lest there be any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another on Sundays. Huh? Oh, 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 is that what it said? 
but exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ. Oh, here's where a lot of people just stop it right there. Oh, those seeker-sensitive churches. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. While it is said, today if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the, in the rebellion. This passage of Scripture reveals to us that it is possible to harden our hearts when the Holy Spirit talks to us. You know, when, there's a, when, when the Holy Spirit gives us command or an exhortation about something, He's trying to give us a, a clue of what our human nature is going to do. Are you following me? He knew that when the Holy Spirit tries to correct us on something, immediately we're going to harden our hearts like that minister. But God, I've been casting out devils in your name. Don't matter. You following me? This must mean then that the Holy Spirit is going to show you some things that might not line up with your traditions. They might not line up with your comfort zones. And he is trying to expose all the lies that we have believed that have stripped us from living a supernatural life. God, do you know that God wants you to live a supernatural life? You don't have to live down here. He wants you to live up here. But you must be open to the correction and leading, the prodding, the goading of the Holy Spirit. Amen? See, our human fleshly nature, again, it hates to be rebuked. It hates to be corrected. But let me tell you something. We need it. You ever see a child who... You ever see a child who is never corrected or rebuked? You want to see a few? Go in the jails and prison. Are you following me? You ever see that? They just, no correction at all. Well, you're not doing that kid a favor. Are you following me? But we need that correction. We need the rebuke. A hardened heart will grieve the Holy Spirit and cause Him to be silent in your life. Then you're on your own. You know what that's called? The wilderness journey. When you're wandering that wilderness or journey around that same mountain for 40 years because of your hardened heart, your refusal to allow correction and rebuke to take root in your heart and make that change. Notice verse 13 talks about being hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Sin will take your life down a path that you don't want to go. Come on. If you knew the pain and the heartache it would cause, you would never go there. But that's why sin is deceiving. Sin is pleasurable for a season. But there's going to be a payday. There's going to be... Your sin brings forth a manifestation of something in your life. You've got to know this. Verse 13 says, to exhort each uh, one another daily in the Word. So like, you know, I say it all the time. One or two times a week at church is not enough to keep us spiritually healthy. Something you got to take responsibility because following Jesus Christ is a 24-7 commitment. 
I was just talking to someone this week about commitment in the in the body of Christ as a whole. And, and I agree. I, I, I don't think, I'm not, of course, I'm not talking about Living Waters Chapel, of course, right? No, no, no. But as a whole, I don't think Christians really have a clue the commitment level that God wants us to have. You look back in the book of Acts, you look at the disciples, my goodness, there was such a commitment there. Amen? But we are commanded to continue in the faith. So it's possible, if, it's, if we're commanded to continue in the faith, it's possible then not to continue in the faith. Amen? So listen to this again. The Hebrew word translated meditate means to reflect, to ponder, to mutter, to complicate, uh, contemplate something as one repeats the words. Meditation is to your thought life and spirit man to what your digestive system is to your natural man. When you read the word, you're, you're constantly you're thinking about it. You're thinking about the promises. You're speaking them. It's digesting and feeding your soul and spirit. Are you following me? So we must not only think on the word, speak the word. Joshua one eight talks about that, right? What does it say? Day and night, day and night. I don't know about you, but the twenty four hours is tied into day and night, right? In other words, this is the commitment level that God is looking for. He says, if you will keep me in my word, in your thought life, I will blow your natural mind. I'll blow your natural mind. Anybody want their natural minds blown? I remember one time I was preaching somewhere and I said, you know, getting your mind blown. And someone came after me and, you know, up to talk to me and said, you know, I, I don't know about that confession about blowing your mind. I said, what are you talking about? I'm talking about blowing up the fleshly nature. What's wrong with that? Oh, God, God bless them. God bless their darling hearts. God bless their darling hearts and stupid heads. But listen, that's an old Kenneth Hagin, Kenneth E. Hagin thing, right? Right, right? Well, we got to be real. Let's just be real about it, right? Christians say some stupid things. We do. We just say the dumbest things. Really? Going to blow your mind. Really? Come on. Is that what you're going to stand on, Hoss? Is that what you're going to argue about? Right? Wow. Well, people are going to hell in a handbasket. Where are you going to argue about blowing your mind? Right? All right. Whatever. All right. <laughs> but listen to this. Meditating on the Word of God and spiritual things associated with the Bible. Such, Listen. When you get a word of prophecy, the Bible says to think on those things. Remember those things. Remember those prophetic words. And what does it say? War with them. You war with them. God, I'm standing on your word with what you spoke to me. When that prophetic word was spoken to you personally, you just felt, wow, that was from the Holy Ghost. I just feel it on the inside. Stand on it. Amen? Uh, a sermon that you hear, right? A Christian song, the lyrics. You know, th- those will, as you meditate on those things, it will cause you to be a doer of the word because not one action takes place in your life without coming through your soul first. See, your, your spirit man's born again. It's perfect. It's on fire for God. But there's, a, there's this little problem. There's this little screen thing called the soul. And if it's not renewed, that is trying to go through there, and the soul says, nope, I don't want to do that. I want to do my own thing. 
That's the importance of renewing your mind with the Word of God. Amen? When you really get to know and trust a person, you know when something is or is not in character of them. When you read God's Word, you start to learn His character. You start to learn about His integrity. Amen? Amen. Your spouse, someone comes up to you and says, oh, you know, some, it, for instance, if someone came up to me and said, oh, i seen Mary Ann smoking marijuana. <laughs> oh, i seen her drinking a fifth, right? I'm going to be like, no, that's not her. <laughs> now, no, we'll have a little talk at first and make sure, confirm. <laughs> but my first inclination is that I know this woman very well and she would not do that. See, this is as you get into the Word of God. As you get into the Word and someone says, well, God doesn't heal today, you can say, yeah, yeah, that don't set with me. I know he does. I, I, I know too much now. Sorry, you can't. You, you know. Right? Go to Colossians 3, 2. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Woo! We got to get to know our Heavenly Father. Amen? We've got to get to know. Now, the beautiful thing is, is you get to know your Heavenly Father. Guess what? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they're all in agreement. You learn one, you're learning them all. They're not sitting at a board meeting table arguing over what they should do. There's unity. Are you following me? There's unity between all of them. Hallelujah. Colossians 3, 1 and 2, it says this. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above and not on the things on the earth. This is violated every second of the day in the body of Christ. Too focused on natural, too focused on your problems. God didn't say to focus on your problem. He said, focus on him, focus on his word, because he's the one that's going to pull you out. But guess what? You're going to focus on your problem. Guess what's going to remain? Your problem. Very good. Now, so one thing that will hinder your sensitivity to the Holy Spirit is holding on too tight to the things of the world. Too tight. Amen. Amen. The Holy Spirit spoke this to me as I was meditating on this. He said, you can either hold on to the world or me. You cannot have both in your life. You, I, I'm serious now. You've got to come to the point that everything you have, everything you have is God's. And if he tells you to move, he tells you to get rid of something, you do it. I, even with my house, if he said to sell it, guess what? We're selling it. If he told me to sell my airplane, I'm going to cry a little bit, but I'll do it. (laughs) Hey, I told him multitude of times in this whole process of getting that airplane. I say, God, listen, it's all yours. You know, I'm going to glorify you in it. We're going to bless people in it. We're going to, right? But God, if you ever want us to get rid of it, I'll do it. Because I want to please my Heavenly Father. So that's why I say, don't hold on too tight to the things of this world. God wants you to enjoy stuff on this earth, right? Why should the sinner, the, the person that's mocking and cursing God, why should they enjoy all these things? Come on, somebody, right? 
Why should they enjoy all this fun stuff, right? Come on. The body of Christ, we are, we are children of the King. We should be the ones enjoying this stuff. Why are these sinners flying around on these jets all over? Come on, somebody. And then people complain at it like a Jesse Duplantis who's flying around in a jet preaching the gospel. He's using it for the gospel. I'd rather have someone, a minister, have it than some sinner. Amen. Goodness gracious. Someone who's promoting Satan's kingdom. We got these mindsets. I'm telling here's what it's a poverty mindset. It's a poverty mindset. You gotta raise the bar a little bit. You gotta believe God wants you to enjoy things on this earth. But here's the here's the warning. You keep him at the center of your heart. Because listen to this something that he gave you as a blessing can easily be turned into a curse. Where's the shifting point in your heart? The moment that God comes down off of the throne of your heart, that thing turned into a curse. Look out. And God can strip away things out of your life. Come on, somebody. He will strip it out quicker than anything. Amen? But you need to raise the bar a little bit higher. All right? So you can either hold on to the world or me, he said. You cannot have both in your life. All right? That message is summed up when Jesus said this. He said to take up your cross and follow him daily. You know what that's called? Self-denial. Amen? It all comes down to the condition of our heart. It all comes down to the condition of our heart. One minister said it this way. He said, self-denial is entry-level Christianity. See, many people think that this whole self-denial thing, oh, you got to be a Christian for many years, right? Oh, oh, that's only for the pastors. That's only for the fivefold minute. No, 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 no. No, the moment you gave Jesus Christ and made him Lord of your life, self-denial is entry level. The more of the world that we're holding on to in our heart, the less sensitive you're going to be to the voice and promptings of the Holy Spirit. Why? You're on the wrong frequency. You're on the wrong frequency. Go to Titus. Titus chapter 2, and I'm almost done. This is the last one, and we'll be done. (laughs) My, my, my. Say wrong frequency. frequency. There were times when we were flying across the country in the middle of the night, and me and the captain were just so dog-tired. The, the ATC would say, contact Cleveland Center on 127.9 or 5. And, and you would think you, you made the change. And you would, Cleveland Center, Eiffel, 581, where they, oh, you're on the wrong frequency. Oh, sorry. That woke you up real quick. We got to be tuned in to the right frequency. Say, I got to tune in. Now, look at this. Titus 2, we need to get awake. That's why I love the song about awake, O sleeper. Amen? Titus 2, 11 through 15. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, where you make it your idol, 
We should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify, purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. Mm-mm-mm. Speak these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one despise you. So this makes it very clear how to tune into the Holy Spirit here. Jesus taught us to avoid sin and worldliness, okay? And to keep our eyes on him, knowing that he's coming back soon for his church. Now, the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul in in Titus here, he was instructing a young pastor named Titus on how to minister. And one of the things that he Uh, that he said he was to speak on, he said, when you speak these things, he said, exhort and rebuke. Say exhort and rebuke with all authority. Now, and then he went on to say, and let no one despise you. In other words, don't let anyone discourage you from exhorting and rebuking. The fact is, like I said, there are times that we need to be exhorted or encouraged, and there's times where we we need to be rebuked and corrected. Amen? We need both to stay active within the will of God for our life. The Holy Spirit is always there to exhort us. Amen? And He is also there to correct us when needed. So we need both courses of action active in our lives. Amen? Now, I know some of you, when you, when you heard us that we got an airplane, let me just tell you something real quick. Some of you are like, how much is the church paying them? Let me tell you something. I got I to gotta say this. First of all, church money was not used on that airplane. In fact, our salaries were not used on it. You want to know what we used? Her retirement, we pulled into her retirement fund that she worked 24 years in Oakland County. Are you following me? So that money is has been worked hard by her. So we tapped it. See, you shouldn't have to tell people that, but I don't care. I'm an open book anyways. So it's not in the church's name, right? You following me? So we tapped into a retirement account. Wise or unwise? I don't know. I'm having fun. <laughs> and you are too. And you all will too when you get a ride at it sometime in the future. Amen? But you, you, see, you, know, you just sometimes you got to, because people just think, you know, what is going on at Living Waters Chapel? This pastor, pastor shouldn't own an airplane, right? But listen, it was, it was the hard work money of 24 years at Oakland County. Amen. So does pastor have a sugar mama for that? Yeah, okay, sure, yeah. yeah. Hey, listen, I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of it, baby. I'm not ashamed of it. So when you hear that thing roaring over Carol... Say, there's Pastor James's sugar mama's plane. <laughs> but let me let me tell you the bad news for her. It's in my name. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> no, it's both of ours. I love it. 
But anyways, that's the story, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> Let's all stand up in this place. Holly, we'll close on the airplane story. Prayer team, come on down. <laughs> Hallelujah. Woo! Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for bringing Marianne into my life, right? See, there's benefits when you obey the prompting and leading of the Holy Spirit. Now, maybe there's someone in this place. You have never made Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life. This is serious. We're talking about eternity. We're talking about a place that nobody can pray you out of. There's no purgatory. There's no waiting room. The minute you take your last breath, the moment, the millisecond that you take your last breath, your eternity is sealed. If you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, come down and pray with one of our prayer team members. I'm telling you, do it. Make it public. Sure, you can do it in your seat. But you know what? Come down and tell someone. Come down and tell someone. Amen? Now, maybe there's someone in here you need to uh, rededicate your life to the Lord. You're one that you've gotten off track. And, and frankly, you have not been here in the Holy Spirit. You're frustrated. Things are a mess in your life. Today, you have to rededicate your life to the Lord. Come down and pray with someone here to rededicate your life to the Lord. Maybe you've never received the Holy Spirit baptism. You've never spoken tongues. I want you to come down. We're, we want to pray with you. You need prayer for anything else? Come on down. You need prayer for healing. Man, there's still a, there's a mighty healing anointing even from last night just flowing. So come on down. We'll stay as long as possible. Amen. So we're going to do something a little new, Marianne and I. So we're going we're gonna to walk out and we're going to be at the door. So don't leave until that because we want to shake hands with people as they leave. All right. Happy so Thanksgiving. happy Thanksgiving, everyone. We love you. And we will see you next week. God bless you.